Three American service members are dead after a drone attack in Jordan. This happened on a military base in Northeast Jordan, a country that is an American ally. About 350 U.S. Army and Air Force personnel are deployed there, according to the Department of Defense. At least 34 others were injured in the attack, according to U.S. Central Command, which oversees the military forces stationed in the Middle East. Reports say the drone attack took place before dawn, at a time when the soldiers who were killed or injured were in their sleeping quarters. President Joe Biden wrote on X, Have no doubt we will hold all those responsible to account at a time and in a manner of our choosing. Allison McManus, managing director of the Department of National Security at the Center for American Progress, told Reuters, We're going to see continued instability in the region, continued insecurity. That places our American service members in jeopardy. That places millions and millions of innocent civilians who live in the region in jeopardy. It's placed our global commerce in jeopardy. Speaking at a church in South Carolina, President Biden asked for a moment of silence in honor of the lives lost. We lost three brave souls and attacked on our race, and we shall respond. All right, that was a report from Inside Edition. All I could say is talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And we're going to be talking about the... Uh, the soldiers that were killed, but more than that, the wider issue of what in the world is going on. Uh, it's not enough to just say we'll get them and they know better, they're not going to do this, but doing nothing is creating chaos in the world, danger for America, and we're going to talk about that today with Claire Lopez. Well, this is Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7, and I always appreciate you listening. We try to bring you uh, as much information to equip you to know how to think about what's going on in the world as we possibly can. So if you'd like to call us, especially after today's, today's show, some of you probably have a military background and have some uh, feelings about what's going on in the Middle East, you can do that at 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. You can email us at sandy at net. Facebook is Sandy Rios 24-7. You can listen on any podcast platform, and you can go to sandyrios.com and find out more information about the show. Well, before we get to Claire, let me just remind you that abortion has remained the world's leading cause of death for the fifth consecutive year in 2023, despite the overturn of Roe versus Wade. And that makes it the leading cause of death in the world. Tragically, this total is greater than the number of deaths attributed to the next seven causes of death combined. Preborn is leading the charge in our nation to turn this around. Every day, preborn clinics rescue 200 babies. And you see, by introducing a mother to her child on ultrasound, a baby's chance of survival doubles. 200 babies are truly miraculous, but their work has only begun. As by the time I finish this life-saving message, two babies will be aborted just in this country. Will you join Preborn and Sandy Rios 24-7 and make 2024 the biggest baby-saving year in history? Just $28 pays for one ultrasound, and you know you can help by going to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy and make your most generous donation. I know you. You guys have a heart for life. And you're so faithful to give to this cause. And I have to tell you, I've said before, but I will repeat, I believe preborn is the future of saving babies. 
I'm afraid we're losing this battle in terms of public discourse. I'm not giving up yet, but we might. We might lose this battle. We just don't know which way it's going to go. But preborn is actually saving babies' lives by showing moms their pictures. So I hope you'll help. It's preborn.com slash Sandy. All right, I hope you will sit back. I don't think you will relax today as you listen to this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. The tragic loss of three U.S. service members killed in a drone strike. It happened at a U.S. base in northeastern Jordan. More than three dozen service members were also injured, and that number we've learned could rise. This is some satellite imagery showing the outpost in Jordan. It's known as Tower 22. Drone attack coming after months of strikes by these groups against American forces across the Middle East since the Israel-Hamas war. And now lawmakers on both sides of the aisle are pushing the administration to respond with force, Biden saying the U.S. will respond to this attack. Here are his comments yesterday while campaigning in South Carolina. I want to point out that we had a tough day last night in the Middle East. We lost three brave souls in an attack on one of our bases. Yeah. And uh, I asked him to come all three of those souls. And we shall respond. God bless you all. All right, so that was Newsmax, and that's a story, of course, that happened a few days ago, and yet there's so much happening in the Middle East, I felt we needed to stop and discuss it. Those three soldiers uh, were Specialist Kennedy Sanders, 24, of Waycross, Georgia, her best friend, Specialist Brianna Moffat, 23, of Savannah, and Sergeant William Rivers, 46, of Carrollton, Georgia. All three were black, all three were serving... Uh, in a in a an area that was key, kind of at the center of th- or the apex of three different countries over there, and it was a drone attack. Attack. So, how did that happen? Was that friendly fire or friendly drone or what? I really don't know. And so, we're going to talk about that attack, but we're going to talk about the further issue: our response, who's behind this, our lack of response, our president's response, all of that. And we'll talk about it with Claire P- Lopez. Claire, of course, is a former career operations officer with the CIA. She's the former vice president of Center for Security Policy and now the founder and president of Lopez Liberty LLC. Claire, thanks for joining us this morning. Yeah, good morning, Sandy. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be with you. Hey, I t- can you just kind of uh, help us understand uh, how this happened, that these, uh, and it wasn't just the three that were killed, there were dozens injured. What what caused that? Do we know, do we have a way of being sure about what happened well, I mean, all of the details are not completely clear yet. You're right about that. Um, but but what did happen, the best we know at this time from, from the releases over the media and so forth, um, this, this was an attack that took place in the upper northeastern corner of Jordan 
It's a place where the borders of Syria, Jordan, and Iraq all come together, very close. And this, uh, this facility, um, uh, manned by American personnel, was right there on the border, and it was across, I guess within, you know, hundreds of meters across, uh, from the from the uh, Syrian side of that border, and um, that was a, a something that that our um, military were keeping an eye on, um, because it's an important border crossing point, as we say, confluence of three different borders right there. And what appears to have happened is a a drone was launched from the other side and hit. Um, very directly into the sleeping quarters, the living quarters of our troops. And it was uh, in the night or early morning, I guess, and um, killed three of them outright. And as you said, Sandy, um, injured upwards of of, uh, uh, two to three dozen more um, uh, seriously injured. Some had to be airlifted, as I understand it, to Germany uh, for treatment there. what we have to do, I think, is put this in the context of the of the overall um, last several months when Iran-backed militias, be they operating out of Iraq, be they operating out of Syria in particular, in this case, um, have been attacking our bases with our troops. It's only been uh, fortunate so far up until now, anyway, that, that, that no one had been killed and no American service members had been killed before. But many, many were injured, and we're talking about, I think it's coming up on 200 um, separate distinct attacks by these Iran-backed, supplied, armed-trained militias uh, operating, as I said again, out of Iraq, out of, out of Syria. Um, yeah. And so there has been a really... Inadequate. I mean, that, that's a kind way of putting it. Inadequate, totally inadequate response um, by the United States government to these attacks. Uh, a few strikes, I think fewer than 10, maybe, strikes in return against some empty warehouses and so forth. Ugh. We have lost deterrence. Yeah, and, but, and the but, point uh, is that once you lose deterrence, it is so much harder to get it back if you ever can than simply maintaining it in the first place. Yes, and in fact, I want to talk about that more. I, I do, I, because, well, I'll just say this before I go back. Uh, it reminds, I think people can understand this, Claire, if they think about how our, our uh, police in this country have been denigrated and attacked uh, so that when they go out in the street, they haven't been safe. That's deterrence. So having the police in the street, even if there weren't enough to overwhelm some big uh, major uh, riot or problem. Uh, we've never had enough police to do that, but it's been deterrence. People just have respected police and know that they're there, even if they don't see them, they know they're near, and it's a deterrence. And now that's breaking down here. We got that. So this is what you're saying is happening worldwide. We are yes, not defending yes. ourselves. And so the natural fear of uh, going against America and the, the potential retaliation is being eradicated. And that's a, it's just terrible. I, now, I, do, I was just reading this morning that since the war in Gaza began, and that's what started all of this, the war with Israel and, and Gaza, our Iranian-backed militias have struck American military installations in Iraq more than 60 times and in Syria more than 90 times with uh, drones, rockets, mortars, and ballistic missiles. Claire, you would know this. 
How would we have responded to this, say, five years ago? How would America have responded to this? Well, you know, I would say even, Sandy, that there wouldn't have been need for a retaliation because the attacks never would have happened in the first place. Were President Trump in the office today, uh, when he was uh, in office, you know, back those five years ago and more, these kinds of attacks were deterred. And when we will recall in January of 2020, when um, our, our government learned um, that the Iranians, once again, and the Quds Force commander at that time, Qasem Soleimani, um, were planning terrorist attacks um, against our forces, not just our forces in Iraq, but against our embassy. That's when President Trump took the decision to take out Qasem Soleimani. That was in early January of 2020. And that set the Iranians back, in addition to the very serious enforcement of sanctions, which depleted their financial wherewithal to support these kinds of you know, terror attacks and, and proxy militias. Uh, this particular attack uh, three days ago, um, very likely, it seems, um, may have been mounted um, by an Iraq-based Shiite militia, perhaps, not positive identification yet, but perhaps Qatar Hezbollah. And um, they have been up on social media talking about the attack in any case. Um, but there are many of these different uh, Shiite um, terror militias, Islamic terror militias operating in Iraq, but also Syria. Uh, and again, they, they are under the direct command and control of the Quds Force, which is part of the IRGC, Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps of Iran, uh, today under Ismail Ghani, the Quds Force, uh, after uh, the end of Qasem Soleimani. But they operate, there are many of these militias operating uh, throughout Iraq and also Syria, Qatayb Hezbollah is one of the most uh, powerful um, and capable, and um, we'll have to wait for more details to know exactly which group it was responsible for the drone attack uh, these three days ago or so. Uh, but the point is that without that deterrence, you know, that the takedown of Qasem Soleimani, for example, um, provided that kind of immediate, harsh response um, this will keep uh, this will keep on this will keep yeah. going well uh, let's give it an illustration of the contrast because we we sh- uh, president trump uh with all of his troubles uh is probably going to be the nominee for the republicans it's important that we kind of remind ourselves of what he did and how he responded in the past and you just mentioned this this the Qasem Soleimani, the killing of him all right let's t- let's contrast that with joe biden's response uh, three months ago, after these first attacks uh, of um, on Israel by Hamas, uh, mm-hmm. this is his uh, his statement about uh, what he was going to do. A uh, kind of this is clip four. Let me say again, to any country, any organization, anyone thinking of taking advantage of this situation, I have one word: don't, don't. Our hearts may be broken, but our resolve is clear. Well, maybe not so much. And I, I, so clear that leads us to a discussion about really familiar turf for me and more familiar turf to me too. And that is uh, just the whole issue with Iran. Because when President Trump came into office in 2016, remember he had 
Ted Cruz kind of led the charge against getting us out of that terrible deal with Iran that Joe, uh, that Barack Obama had made. And that's complicated. Mm-hmm. We probably should say something about that. And so President Trump joined uh, Ted Cruz. I credit Ted for bringing President Trump along on that. And we got out of the deal. And uh, Iran was really devastated financially and crippled and stopped their nuclear weaponry uh, development because they had no choice. And as soon as uh, President Biden came into office, it was all reversed. But let's go back in time. Uh, what was Obama, how was he helping Iran? How do we, this is kind of how we got here, because now they're after us. Yeah. How do we get here? Right. Well, you know, we really have to go back to the Iranian Revolution of 1979 uh, with Ayatollah Khomeini. Uh, when that regime came to power, toppling our longtime ally, the Shah of Iran, in that revolution, um, a, a, a Islamic republic, a jihadist republic, led by Shiite Twelvers. These are the Shiite true believers uh, that follow uh, the Twelfth Imam of Shiite Islam. And here's the thing. They identify that Twelfth Imam as the Mahdi. Now, the Mahdi is a messianic figure for all of Islam, Sunnis as well as Shiites, but the Shiites give him this specific identity of the 12th imam, that is the 12th in the line of father-son, father-son, that followed down the bloodline of Muhammad from the 7th century. But here's the thing. Most Muslims, in particular on the Sunni side, um, believe that the Mahdi, their messianic figure, will come back at the end of times, usher in the day of judgment, when the Mahdi is ready, when he thinks it's time. But here's the thing. This regime in Iran, since 1979, the Twelvers, they believe that they can hasten the return of the Twelfth Imam to usher in the end times and the Day of Judgment by instigating as much chaos and strife and warfare on Earth as they possibly can, because they think that will accelerate his return. He'll think that he just has to come back and set it all straight. That's what they believe. Now, you pair that with the, the behavior of driving for a deliverable nuclear weapon, the behavior of death to Israel, death to America, the ring of fire, as they're calling it, of sponsoring all of these different Islamic jihad militias uh, surrounding Israel, uh, Hamas and Palestinian Islamic jihad in Gaza, Hezbollah up in Lebanon, and the various and different militias uh, in Judea and Samaria, as well as the Houthis further away, and of course these um, sometimes were called uh, they're called Hashdashabi uh, or also popular mobilization units (PMU). Sometimes the militias, the Shiite militias in Iraq, all of those sponsored by Iran, all of that stood up uh, in the wake in the decades following the 1979 revolution. Now, of course, fast forward as you were doing there, Sandy, to President Obama's years in office, and he was absolutely determined to reach a nuclear deal. John Kerry will remember, um, the Secretary of State was negotiating, and they finally came to that agreement in, uh, I think it was July of 2015. And JCPOA is what it's called, Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. Well, it did nothing except what Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel termed a glide path to a nuclear capability. That's what it was. Um, and, and as you point out, again, rightfully, 
President Trump took us out of that deal, removed the United States from the deal in May of 2018, um, and kept very serious sanctions on Iran uh, throughout his term. But again, as soon as this administration came to office under President Biden, many of the same people who had served in the Obama terms came back into office. You know, Anthony Blinken at State Department, Jake Sullivan, National Security Council, um, you know, and so forth, were people from the Obama years and very much um, wanted to topple anything that, that President Trump had ever done or said or thought in his sleep. Um, and that's why they went back immediately uh, to try to revive uh, the nuclear talks. But this time, Iran is having none of it. But at the same time, they also, while not removing the sanctions, they simply stopped enforcing them. And so Iran has raked in billions and billions of dollars in oil revenue, um, in particular from China, but other places too, um, because we're not enforcing the sanctions against that. So all of that plays into this perception of the weakness of this administration under Joe Biden, that he's not serious about deterring Iran uh, at all, and he's maybe not even serious about defending Israel, which is even worse. Well, I think that's true. I just read this morning that Anthony Blinken kind of warned Israel that they didn't have the creds. I think he said the creds uh, for a prolonged war. He made that statement to them in private. And, of course, Benjamin Netanyahu saying he's not having any of that. He said we, it's going to take us a long time to ferret out all that's in place, all that infrastructure, the tunnels, all of that in Hamas. And he said, we'll go it alone. We'll do it alone. We don't care. You know, we, we want the Americans to help, but it's really uh, an unusual situation. But back to Iran, I want I wanted to just say in my layman's term, because you're the expert, uh, that Iran wants us dead. And this has been going on, as you yes. said, since 1979, where they took, I forgot, I'm thinking, I want to say, I don't remember how many American hostages. They held them for 444 seven, I think. That might be, yes, that sounds, or 52, I think I see it now, a 52. 52? And they okay. held them, held them for 444 days. That was under Carter's administration. Yeah. Carter was a weak president like Biden. A lot of similarities. Yes. Uh, and so uh, w- when Ronald Reagan was elected, while he was being sworn in, the Iranians suddenly let those hostages go because they were afraid of Reagan. That's the difference it makes, strong leadership. So Iran wants us dead. And uh, now the the Obama administration sent them pallets, billions of dollars, millions, I should say, of pallets of cash in the middle of the night. Uh, Claire built them up and helped them to, to, to develop their nuclear weaponry, and that's what President Trump was facing, and that's why he pulled us out of that. We how low? Would you can you quantify how much damage it did to them when we put on those harsh sanctions? And pulled out of that uh, JCPOA. How much harm did we do to them? Well, I think you 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 hit on it exactly, Sandy, and and that is that not only did they not have uh, the former levels of funding to continue as they had their nuclear weapons program. I don't think they ever halted it. I think they had to maybe scale it back for a time, but they never stopped. They they're driving for nuclear weapons, and in my opinion, at least, I think they probably already have a few warheads, small handful, perhaps but maybe not uh, have uh, attached them to the nose cones of their missiles yet. But but the the funding was cut back. And more importantly to to our discussion today, the funding for their proxies around the region was cut back. 
um, the 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 huge amounts of funding. I mean, we're we're talking seven, eight hundred million dollars a year to Hezbollah alone are some of the estimates I've heard. Anyway, other millions going to Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad and the Houthis and the uh, Hashdashabi, different various militias inside of Iraq and Syria. That was all cut back drastically. Um, but now they're flush with cash. The Tehran regime is flush with cash from oil revenue, and um, the Biden administration also um, has loosened uh, sanctions on, for example, payments by other countries. For example, South Korea um, bought oil from Iran and owed Iran the payment for that, but because of the sanctions, we're, we're holding that money in a kind of an escrow in a bank. Biden administration says, go, let it, let it go. That's $6 million. Um, I'm sorry, billion. And then, and then we're talking about Iraq as well, which buys natural gas from Iran and likewise owed it payment for the natural gas deliveries in the amount of $10 billion. So put those together, you've got $16 billion that were held in a kind of a, an escrow bank account, but not delivered to Iran because of the sanctions that we were enforcing. And now, under the Biden administration, that's all being released. Yes. I mean, okay, can you so, imagine? No, that, that's uh, yeah, in one so, fell swoop just right there, $16 billion. So simply put, we have made it possible for them to arm themselves again and arm their, uh, their um, proxies and that's what's fueling these attacks against us. It is so sick. It is yes. so sick. It's so and disgusting. And against Israel. Especially and against, against Israel. Israel, too. Not just yep. us. Yes, us. Yep. Yes. But, but Israel as well. Yeah. And, and the one point also has to be made. Meanwhile, you know, uh, the Biden administration has stopped uh, uh, oil drilling exploration here. Uh, they've almost, if not totally uh, depleted our oil reserves here. We're still driving, you know, gas-powered cars, but I don't think people realize what a precarious position we're in, even in our, our supplies with that. So we, our gas prices have skyrocketed because we can't, we have enough, we had enough oil during the, and between shale and all the other uh, form, forms and fuel to really uh, fuel ourselves and really the world for ages to come. And so Biden took care of that handily. So our enemies now have control of that. It's, it really is shocking. And Claire, let me read what Biden said on January the 12th. This is, of course, after the attack of October 7th. He's in Emmaus, Pennsylvania. And he said uh, he'd already delivered a message to the Islamic Republic after the Yemen bombings. They know not to do anything, President Trump, uh, Biden said assuring that the attacks on the Houthis would continue so long as they continue this outrageous behavior. I want you to repeat, please, what retaliation we have done so far. Would you please flesh that out a little bit? You know, as far as I know, um, our side, together with our British allies, um, we have launched a number of attacks inside of Yemen against places like launch sites, you know, missile and drone production and storage and launch sites inside of Yemen. Um, but in, in at least a couple of the cases, uh, they were given enough warning ahead of time publicly through, through the media, knew the attacks were coming, that all personnel, including, if there were any, IRGC on the sites to evacuate, 
or move anything that, you know, particularly uh, valuable out of the target area. This is not the way you, 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 you retaliate. The other thing I should mention is that uh, during all of this time, um, since, since October of 2023, uh, when the, uh, the Houthis were um, really stepping up their attacks against commercial shipping and against U.S. naval vessels as well, there was an Iranian intelligence ship posted, I think it was in the Gulf of Aden, perhaps up into the Red Sea, but Gulf of Aden, Red Sea area, um, that was obviously there to provide the targeting and intelligence information for the Houthis to target these ships and our naval vessels. That ship, that Iranian ship of the Iranian Navy, could have been the IRGC. I'm not, I'm not positive it was IRGC or Iranian Navy. But in any case, that ship was never touched. Nobody ever went after the, the ship that was directing the whole operation. To this day, as far as I know. So they su- suffered very few casualties. It's just a big game. And I think people just can't comprehend. It's so horrible, uh, Claire. I don't think people can comprehend. And I think a, t- a couple of things. I always try to make this practical because we have to. We, we are still living good lives here in, the, in America. Now, not everyone. People, some people are... The, the inflation is killing people. Uh, I think credit card uh, costs are, if we knew the credit card debt, it would be it would be just horrific, and some it's going to come crashing in. So we're not feeling it as much now, but it's it's affecting our gas prices. It's going to be affecting our ability to fuel our cars in the future, and our any war that we might fight. We've depleted our resources thanks to Joe Biden, and are not replenishing them. Uh, but also. Um, People now are saying, many people are asking, are demanding uh, that uh, Joe Biden hit Iran right now. We're, uh, uh, Army General Dana Pittard uh, is saying that, and there are others. I, uh, there are others. I don't have the, the names in front of me. So they're asking uh, Biden to attack Iran. Well, that's not likely. But what do you think about that? Are we ready for that? Could we really take on Iran if we really... Uh, we're serious about doing something. Could a different president do that? Sure, absolutely. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it's not even a matter of only attacking uh, Iran inside of Iran directly, but actually, you know, mounting meaningful strikes against these, uh, these yeah. proxies. That has not happened. Um, or that ship we were talking about out, out in the, uh, the uh, Gulf of Aden directing the Houthi drone strikes rocket, missile strikes, um, you know, take it to the source, not just to uh, knocking the drones or the, the missiles and the rockets out of the sky before they hit their target. That's great in a defensive way, and we're glad that that's, you know, within our capabilities to do. Yes, fine. But unless you go after the source of those attacks, at least taking out the actual um, the proxies themselves, um, you know, not just the, the, the missiles in flight, but the actual source of where they're coming from and the personnel there manning the launch sites, the rocket sites, the missile sites, oh. um, blocking, blocking the provision by ship um, to, let's say, Yemeni ports, like the port of Hudaydah, for example, right near the Babel Mendeb. That's where the Iranians, that's how the Iranians, at least in part, are resupplying the Houthis, but we've never touched the ports. 
Um, there are many things that could be done, even short of of taking you know the retaliation to the um, <clears throat> the Iranian um, you know homeland itself. There are many other steps that could be taken and have not been taken, and I don't hear anybody talking about them being taken. I I just I don't understand. I I do understand, <clears throat> but I can't comprehend how uh, President Bi- President Biden's got dementia. No question about that, or some such related thing. Uh, he still is uh, cognizant enough to have some understanding. Lloyd Austin is not doesn't have dementia, and I don't understand why the people surrounding the Bidens don't understand that their future is at stake. I just don't understand, Claire. Uh, it's their children's country too. I don't know. I don't know how they can just sit yeah. back and let this happen and think that they're going to be immune from the consequences of what they're not doing. You know what it is, Sandy? It's it's a very different worldview that they have. Their Weltanschauung, if you will, uh, is very different than the one we hold. And it goes something like this. In their minds, all those people that we've mentioned in this administration and the prior one, <clears throat> meaning the Biden, uh, the Biden administration and the Obama uh, administration, peopled, again, by many of the same officials, their worldview is that America, and basically even Western civilization— Judeo-Christian Western civilization that includes Israel, of course, is a force for ill in the world. They truly believe this, and they think it's their moral obligation to degrade it, to take it down. And in that venture, that, that, that you know, intent, they look at Iran, the current Iranian regime that came to power in 1979 and has slaughtered and murdered its own people for all these decades, as well as, you know, supported all of these, these proxy uh, terror groups um, and, and uh, you know, daily threats to Israel, death to Israel, death to America. They mean it, by the way. Um, instead of countering all that, these people, their worldview says, we must empower Iran not only to balance out our ally, friend and ally, you know, democratic Jewish state of Israel, but also to balance out the many more numerous Sunni powers uh, and states uh, in the Middle East region. They want Iran to go nuclear. They want it to get deliverable nuclear weapons. Make no mistake about that. And they think it's to balance out, diminish American influence and power and reach in the region, and also to diminish uh, Israel as well. That's what they think. They're not going to say all that out loud, but I think we need to understand that. I think you're right, Claire, and I I think that sums it up. It leaves us kind of hanging, except that we are in an election cycle, and should God grant us uh, to exist as a country— uh, between now and November, we have uh, we have a lot to do to make sure that we get congressmen, uh, senators, uh, congressmen. If you, I'm just going to address my audience for a minute, please. If you are not hearing your congressmen speak up about these issues, if you just and I am repeating myself, if they're your neighbor and you just like them, or they go to your church, or they're a nice guy, they hold your baby. Or if you have a problem in your district, they do a favor for you. Don't you dare base your vote on that. You have to find out what these guys are actually doing. Because I have to tell you, most of them are just doing nothing. And so we have to stop that, and we have to elect a president that will fight. 
that will fight for us because otherwise the republic is gone. And so that's my advice. That to me is the uh, that's the answer to the problems we're talking about right now, Claire. Uh, your national treasure, Claire Lopez, a president yep, of go. Lopez Liberty LLC. Claire, it's been a pleasure. I, I thank you so much for giving us background on this and helping us to understand today. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Sandy, for talking about it, for bringing this information to people. And, um, well, it's, it's been great to be with you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. This has been Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. Well, hi, this is Sandy Rios, back with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. And I want to remind you, Preborn, our sponsor, their life-saving work will continue at a greater level as they fight the abortion giants, who receive increased government and corporate funding as women continue to have unplanned pregnancies. Preborn clinics stand strong, offering love, support, and compassion to hurting women, helping them to make the right choice. And you are the answer. You are the hero of every preborn baby in this nation and an ambassador for eternal life for every mom, dad, and family that walks into every preborn partner clinic. For $28, you can sponsor one ultrasound, but any gift will help. And what you're doing is helping a woman meet her baby for the very first time. Okay, so you know the drill. You go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And that's where you can make the most generous donation you can afford. The Democrats want the ceasefire. The Democrats want the ceasefire. I have no connection with China. Okay, so you probably wonder, what in the world that was? You're probably scratching your head. Well, that was Nancy Pelosi doing combat from her car with Code Pink. They were at her home protesting the war with Israel and Hamas, demanding a ceasefire. Okay, so they're shouting that. She's getting in the car, and from the car she's saying, go back to China, go back to China, where you came from. I want to play it one more time and then have a comment on this. Let's listen again. The Democrats want the ceasefire. The Democrats want the ceasefire. I have no connection with China. Go back to China where your headquarters is. Okay, so you know what? Hats off to Nancy Pelosi. If only we had fighters like her on our side. Uh, I mean, she's right. Uh, This whole effort we can trace back to China, which is funding these protests, all of this confusion, along with Iran. And so, and listen to her fight. And she's what? She's in her 80s, so good for her. But, of course, she fights for the wrong things. So so that's the the problem. But, oh, my goodness, if uh, Joe Biden could sit at Nancy Pelosi's feet and really fight, that would be a good thing. I've asked Bruce to join me because, uh, of course, national security is a big issue for him as well as for me because we do love this country. So, Bruce, um, yeah, we got into a lot with Claire, and uh, I I just want to know what your thoughts are about what we just heard. Well, I think it's shocking what she told us about the worldview of people that have been in the Biden and the Obama administration and that is that the United States is a force for evil, a force for ill. And that is why, because it's always been just so consternating that why, why do we empower these bad people from these groups in the Middle East that attack us? Why do we empower them? Why do we make it easier for them to get nuclear weapons? Why do we allow this oil money that we can sanction to keep away from these 
groups that want to kill us, why do we keep giving back to these groups support? Yeah, well, you know what, uh, Bruce, it, it sort of comports with uh, the worldview. People maybe can understand this. If they think about what their children and their college-age kids are being taught, uh, that America is bad. It's bad. It's, uh, for one thing, one point of view is that it's, uh, you know, it's all about slavery and about uh, hatred of, of black people and brown brown and black skin. That's the worldview of some people. Others, you know, it's colonialism that we were out to conquer, which we never did any, we didn't conquer anyone. And all the wars we fought, we always, you know, empowered them after the war. If they were allies, we built them back up like Japan, like Germany. We did not take them over and rule them. Uh, so that's a complete lie. So is just the whole thing that we were founded on race, racism. It's just bizarre. But they, they've learned to hate their country, so it's not a hard thing for them to understand when our leaders want to bring us down to side, cut us down to size, and make sure that we are equal with these poor countries who've had to put up with our dominance all these years. So that's where we're headed, and I don't know who's going to fight back after our generation leaves. I'm not sure. Well, I think uh, another thing that Claire brought up that is so important to remember is that sometimes we really lose sight of what the motivation of these people from Iran uh, is, and that this is a holy war to them. Uh, Think of what she said about the 12th Imam, that this is the Islamic Messiah. Right. This is who they're waiting for, because they think once this Messiah comes, then the world is going to be straightened out, and they will control the world. And so how do they hasten the return? By committing jihad, by attacking people from the West, especially the U.S. and Israel. We are the, we are the sworn enemies of the them. The great Satan. The great, the great Satan. Satan. And, you know, all this uh, thought that we can negotiate with these people, that we can coexist with these people— flies directly in the face of what they believe. And they have, believe me, they have much stronger beliefs about this than we do. And Well, they say they love death more than we love life. Yes. Uh, so that's kind of like their little soft motto. And, and, and you know, this I, it's comical almost, but it's sad. What is Joe Biden's response? He warns them by saying, don't. Yeah, don't. And he looks at, he's got that glaring look he loves to give when he says, don't. And, you know, you do you think these imams and people over in the Middle East are afraid of that? That just spurs them on. They're like, really? You want to get into it like that? Okay. Instead of doing what President uh, Trump did, listen, when he sent that attack to assassinate Soleimani, that rocked those people because... Soleimani was at the Baghdad airport, and he was just taken out in a vehicle, as I recall. And that's the kind of thing, that's the only way to send a message to these people. You know, this this thing that Claire was talking about, like, we've responded probably less than 10 times to over 200 attacks on our troops. And even when we do respond, we have pre-warned. The isn't, enemy. That, isn't that unbelievable? Pre-warn them I, so that they can move their personnel and their equipment out of there, and then we can make a big deal out of, oh, we, we attacked their their base. Yeah, there's nothing there. 
Yeah, so you know what it's like. It's like uh, when Bill Clinton was uh, trying to distract uh, the the country from the Monica Lewinsky yes. scandal, and he dropped a bomb on an empty f- pill factory, I think, and. I don't know, it was Nigeria or someplace. Yes. Nobody was there. It was during the night. But he did something. You know, he responded and created kind of an international incident. It's just bizarre what's taking place. They're not patriots. They're untethered from reality. They have a different uh, master than we do. And it's, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not God. It's not the God that we serve. No. You know, um, if you want to try to figure out how much we miss the mark, just look up who the Houthis are. And that's just a small group, but just try to figure out their background. Because when you get Shia and um, Sunni. Sunni and try to unwind this, believe me, this goes back thousands and thousands yeah. of years. We cannot, we cannot, quote unquote, straighten out what goes on in the Middle East. What we can do is we can take advantage of. Uh, what we need from them, which is oil. Uh, we don't really need it if we uh, turn our own country loose, but right now the administration will not. So we need their oil. So we need to keep in place that thought that we we um, defend ourselves and we stay out of their internal politics because we will never... You know, I, I love when guys like Anthony Blinken go over to the Middle East and act like they're going to scare these people into liking us. Give me a break. You have to you have to figure out what the rules of the game are and the rules are we don't we will never convert them to our th- type of thinking. If anything, they're converting us to their thinking as Claire said by uh falling into this ridiculous thought that America and Western civilization is the bad force over there. And I want to play one last clip because uh, I talk, we talked about the Biden response and, you know, don't, don't. Well, that's one thing, and it's bad. But the response now that we've, uh, we've identified the three soldiers who were killed and the, the administration's response to this, I think, is stated really well in the words of Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre. Uh, she made a statement yesterday, well, just a few days ago, about the deaths and the identification of them. And this is uh, how eloquently she gave her condolences. Let's listen. What I will say, our deepest, uh, obviously our deepest condolences uh, go out and our heartfelt condolences go out to the families uh, who lost uh, three, three brave uh, three brave, uh, three brave of uh, three folks who are, who are military folks who are brave, who are always fighting, who are fighting on behalf and of uh, this administration of the American people. Obviously, more so, more importantly, uh, we lost those souls. Yes, so uh, very comforting, right? And she doesn't even know that they're soldiers. She has no idea. She has no language to understand the military, and so she stumbles. And you can tell she's very sad about it. They're so sad about it, they're probably uh, going, to, going to do nothing as they have been doing. So that's the response of this administration. Can you imagine if you're a parent or a spouse or a loved one of someone who's serving in our military and you hear this fumbling, stumbling, they cannot even articulate who is fighting on behalf of us. And to make matters worse... They say, she says that these military people are fighting on behalf of the Biden administration. Yeah, she did say that, and then she had to correct it. Oh, and oh, but I mean, yeah, it's a, it's really a tell. 
and it's a dangerous tell, and so that's where we are. So with that, we need to end our discussion, but um, uh, now you know more. And uh, as I said in my conversation with Claire, it's time to act in the polls. Do not be lazy. Do not say, I'm, I'm not voting this time. Please don't do that. So much is at stake. I think President Trump, if he wins the nomination, which I think he inevitably will, I don't care how mad you are or how you hate his tweets or how badly he talks about people. All of that's true. But when you are drowning, you're like drowning and someone reaches out from a boat to pull you to safety, you don't really care too much about the personal foibles of those people. You, We need someone, a human, a president, who can reach out and be strong and reestablish our strength in this nation for our kids, for our future. Now look, if God decides to bring complete judgment and all of this falls apart, then that might happen. But but meanwhile, we do our best. We don't just sit back and watch it happen. We do our best to save our... Think of your children. Think of your grandchildren. Are you really... The only way you can really do something right now is to uh, elect people who will actually have a spine. And if you can't do that because, I don't know, you're busy doing what you're doing, I'm just begging you to please pay attention to this election and vote accordingly. And so uh, vote to save this country and vote to save your children and the next generation, if at all possible, and if God wills it. And with that, I'm done. Honey, thank you for joining me, and thank you all for listening to this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7.